Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
All right, welcome back to the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show. Uh, it's been a long holiday weekend for everybody here in the U.S. I hope everybody enjoyed their Fourth of July celebration. But the weekend is about to come to an end. But what better way? We have Steve Stegg from Sleepy Hollow and Jeff Martin. I think we have Jeff Martin from Racer X and his new band Blasted the Static. We had Jeff booked a few weeks ago, and uh, I guess he forgot to call in. But I think we got them all locked in for today's show. I know Steve is going to be here in a little bit. So just sit back, relax, enjoy the music. Right there, we started things off with Accept and Dead On. That comes off the second record the band put out after Udo got back with them back in uh, 19... Uh, I believe the record was from 94, Death Row. A really solid record. 15 great songs on that album. And, you know, when things were kind of tough in the 90s, except getting back with Udo was a great thing, and they put out three real killer records. But t the production of those albums was just terrible in my mind. But they're never going to get back to it. They're never going to redo them, so they are what they are. But except have, you know, Mark sing with them right now, and they're doing a great job. So it doesn't get any better than that. We have except putting out records, Udo putting out records. It's just a great time in heavy metal. All right, let's keep the music flowing here. We'll be talking to Steve in about 15 minutes or so. Next up, how about we head to New Jersey for some Ashtaroth, his error in ways.
right. Astra Goth out of New Jersey. That's off the second demo tape. Erin Way's great band. I love those guys. All right, we have Mr. Steve Stegg on the line right now from Sleepy Hollow. As if all the technical problems that we normally have on Block Talk Radio aren't enough, they shut down the support group for the weekend for the holiday and they introduced a new Direct Connect method so everybody will be in hi-fi. So uh, it seems to be working right now, but we're just going to go with it. Let me get Steve on the line. Hey, Steve, how are you, buddy? Doing great. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing great. Over here, if you don't have two cups and a string, you're lucky you can make a connection. So to have all this stuff going on at one time is amazing tonight. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be the difficult one to try it out for the first time, I guess. <laughs> hey, it's working pretty good. So uh, we're batting a 1,000 right now. We'll keep it going for as long as we can. <laughs> great. All right, well, it's great to have you on here today. I'm a big Sleepy Hollow fan from, from way back in the day, in the late 80s. And I'm glad that, you know, over the last couple of years, you'll be getting active and, and busy. And you have a brand new record coming out on Pure Steel, Tales of God and what? Tales of Gods and Monsters. I know. I just wanted you to say it. It sounds better coming out of your mouth. Oh, okay. No, I actually like you saying it better. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you got Tales of Gods and Monsters coming out real soon. I heard one of the tracks off it. You guys did an amazing job on this record. Thank you so much. Thank you. I can't wait for you to hear the rest of it now. <laughs> it's just... oh, I, I, I'm looking forward to it. When, when's the actual release date for the record? We have a tentative release date of October at this point. Uh, nothing's been said as far as a solid release date, but that's what they're telling me. So that's what we're looking oh. at right now. Oh, that's going to be great. Do you know if, you get, do you know if it's going to come out on vinyl also besides CD? I've been told vinyl, CD, and then everywhere else you can possibly download it at. So, so yeah, we're oh, we're doing that's the vinyl. So great. Oh, I'm looking forward to the last one on vinyl. It was great. So. Yeah, I'm so thrilled that vinyl has made like this little bit of a comeback, and that you know people are buying it. I and mean, this is like everybody now is like it's like mandatory. Must start putting it out again, and and I think it's a great thing because you know you buy the album, the buy the vinyl. People are gonna buy it. They're not gonna bootleg it or download it. I mean, you know, you can't. You know, you can't you can't download vinyl that's true you can't and it's actually a collector's item for people and they're actually you know you walk in fye now in different stores and they're actually carrying vinyl from from new releases and uh it's, it's great to see again it takes me back yeah. so it, it'll be amazing if this triggers a resurgence where record stores actually come back again like the local neighborhood record shops it could i mean very well could it seems to be doing really well in there and they're charging a lot for them too i mean the record yeah. stores are loving it because you can charge a good amount for a vinyl um, you know, yeah. versus you're a download. So, you know, they're doing well on it. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like myself, I don't mind paying 20, $25 for an album. I, I don't I mean, I'm in a position I can do it at, at this age. Not like when sure. I was a kid, you know, you're looking to get anything cheap. So I love it that you know, we can get it because it brings us back to when we were kids. We love having that package. I just think it's a great thing. If this like jumpstarts people buying music again, I think it's the greatest thing in the world. Oh, absolutely. I mean, my daughter came to me the other day and asked for a record player. She wants to go out and buy a, you know, buy, buy a record player now. So it's, you know, it's even the younger, you know, ones are doing it now. So it's great. So absolutely. Yeah. It's really exciting. Well, the, be the best thing is supply and demand because I remember the last time I had to buy a needle for my turntable. It cost me about $100 for a needle. But back in the day, you used to get 10 in a pack for a dollar. Well, now they have the, uh, they actually have digital ones. You don't even need needles anymore. So wow. you actually... I'm really, old. I'm, I'm really old fashioned. I'm really old no, school. I understand. <laughs> I'm a tech guy. So. I still got to need a track and turntable. I got to make sure it lines up on the grooves <laughs> the right way. <laughs> that's what I have currently. You know, the same kind uh, of thing. <laughs> well, that's good, Steve. <laughs> right, well, let's see. We'll, we'll go back to the, to the early days of the band getting started. It's the late 80s. You put out the first record. I think it was around 89 that the, the, super, the actual Super Hollow record came out. The first record. Was it 91? Somewhere in the late 80s, early 90s. 
it was well i mean the demo we had in 89 we did the demo and okay. um you know there was tapes available of that and um actually previous to that we were actually formed in like 86 uh tom and i actually formed the band and um you know there were there was there was a totally different singer totally different bass player the songs were still there but i mean it just we never really took it very far and in 89 is when we got together and we actually recorded the demo and we started getting real serious about it and um you know get started developing a nice fan base so um yeah, yeah 89 was in the year we released the demo and then 90 i think you're right 91 was the album and that came out on Azra Records, which was a small independent label back there. A lot of people knew from Jack Panza and a few other bands back in the day. Yeah, Overkill. And uh, we used to rehearse oh, right, right EP. Yep, they did the EP yeah. on that. So, yeah, they, they kind of uh, told us when they were releasing it, you know, about the label and everything. And uh, it was great. You know, it was, it was great to see it on, on see it released. Yeah. And and the album came out, of, I mean, 91 metal was still strong at that time. I mean, it wasn't much later after that, that the scene kind of, you know, imploded upon itself and collapsed, like, you know, real traditional metal. Uh, so what was it like getting that album out that kind of see like everything around you, like starting to go in a different direction? You know, it's one of those classic cases, a little too late, you know, it's a shame because yeah. if, if we had that out in probably 84, 85, the band probably would have been a lot, a lot bigger. Um, I mean, I'm not, I'm very happy with the status we've achieved. But you know, it would have been great to come out in '84 and '85, and and actually have really enjoyed it and really got to take it on the road and do everything with it. We would have loved to have done, but um, yeah, it's still it's still to this day though. I mean, people still have the album; they still ask me for it. They still want a copy of it. They're you know, people are still interested in it. So it's quite amazing something that was created so long ago is still asked for and um, still relevant actually in metal. So oh, it, it's definitely a classic record amongst the, the the underground scene, without a doubt. I mean, I said I wonder who's who's Iggy and what's wrong with his Audi. <laughs> oh, that was uh, that was the ending. The uh, the, the, the uh, God, Bob it was like a half a minute thing. <laughs> yeah, Bob loved to do uh, impressions, and um, you know it was Jim Ignatowski from uh, Taxi. Yeah, so, yeah, he did it, and we were yeah. It was it was one of the things where he was the guy trying out for the band, and we turned him down at the end. That was his audition. Was the album? So you know, yeah. It's kind of a last thing, last minute thing we came up with, which was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, no, it really was. It was great. Well, you know, Steve, I, like I said, the album comes out. I, you know, a lot of fans got into it. And then, like, as soon as we don't hear much from the band anymore, and it wasn't really until 2002 where you guys started to come out a little bit again, where, you know, the, the Rest in Pieces compilation was put out. But there was a, a good 10-year gap where we really didn't hear nothing about the band. And it was kind of the early days of the internet where people really didn't have, like, access to find out what was happening. Well, unfortunately, what happened was shortly, even before the album actually came out, um, I actually was, um, well, there's various versions of it, but I, I ended up not being in the band at that point um, before the record came out. And they, they replaced me with two guitar players. They tried to do stuff. They tried to write. They tried, but the chemistry just wasn't there. Um, yeah. I'm actually very proud to say that every song that's ever been written in Sleepy Hollow, I actually wrote the music to. So oh, nice. um, it's kind of my... It's not kind of. It is my creation as far as the music goes. Um, you know, I, I have I have a concept for it. I have a style of music that it's supposed to be, and it'll never it'll never really shift from that. I mean, it gets a little more modern as it goes along, but it seems to always be the same kind of thing. So, um, I wasn't really there to actually take the thing on the road and be a part of that. And once again, I think if I was, I'm not putting anybody down or anything, but I think it would have been a little bit bigger still because we would have been able to follow it up right away with another record. Because the guys that they hired never wrote anything. Nothing was ever written after that time. 
So it was kind of hard to keep the band going, I guess. Sure. Every band, I think, needs that one driving force. And, you know, musically, and you were in, in the group at that time. But it has to make you feel good that it took two guitar players to replace you. <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> you know, it always does. You know, but the stupid uh, thing is now the new record, um, <laughs> yeah, with, with, the, with the recording now, everything being so easily done, you can do it right at home. I have a whole program here. I do everything, a lot of the guitars here. And um, it, it's so easy to overplay so much stuff. And get so much involved that if I had, I could have made it so we would have had to take 10 guitar players out on the road now. And um, we still couldn't do all the different parts and stuff. So it's, you got to control yourself now to, to make it so you can actually still play it with just with just the four guys playing it. Because um, yeah. I, I like the four, the four member lineup of the band the best. Just, um, it just, it just seems to work the best and it seems to gel the best. So, I mean, if anything, we'd ever add in, we'd add a keyboard player in. But other than that, I really don't see that happening even. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's kind of flattering that they actually had two guitar players replace me. <laughs> well, you know, like well, a couple of years ago, Skull 13, another solid record by the band. It was a great comeback record, in my opinion. Uh, Tom is still in the band. Bob is in the band. I think Mike LaPond actually helped you guys out on bass at that time uh, on that album. Now, you know, a couple of years later, it's pretty much a whole new lineup. Tom is not in the band no more. We had Bob on last week. Uh, he's, not mm -hmm. in the, he's not in the band anymore. You got a new singer now. You got a whole new lineup over the last couple of years. How do you feel about these guys? You know, is it, a, is it gelling? Do you feel like it's there? It's gelled amazing. Um, this new, the new sound we've kind of created is a little darker, a little heavier. Um, it's it's more in, on the line of what I've always wanted to do with the band. As far as um, you'll hear it when you hear stuff. I mean, we have intros that go into the songs. They all kind of connect everything together. Um, it, it just helped to make the the band a little bit heavier and a little bit darker, uh, which that's totally what I'm into: dark, heavy, heavy music. You know. Um, but still being melodic, not just screaming your head off and not, you know, just playing for speed, yeah. actually having a melody there, having you know things there, but maintaining that darker element of the music. So it's it's just it's gelling great. I mean, the lineup's great. And plus, everybody's from Delaware. So we all can get together anytime we want. If something pops up, we can go and do it right away. It's It's been great. Is, is it really important today to have the members of the band like right around you? Because you see how many bands are out there with people from different parts of the country, if not the world. And they go back and forth with the MP3s and the file sharing. And you can make it work, but I, I think it kind of lacks. So it's kind of missing something when the members can't get together in the same room to kind of work out parts or feel each other out. I think there's a lot to be said about bands that are actually playing together, you know, on a regular basis. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because you maintain the tightness. Um, you know, playing on your own and playing with the record is great. You can do that at home all you want. But when you finally get together in a room with the four guys and you're able to do that weekly, a couple times a week, uh, however many times you want to do it, sort of like when we were younger, um, it, it just helps the band just be so much tighter live. And in the creative process, you've got four guys doing it then. You know, you can all feed off of each other. And sometimes you'll come in like we did with this record. We went into the studio. And some of the parts in it were created right in the studio because we, we were playing them. And then we just said, hey, let's let's try this. Whereas if we had done it, you know, via MP3s and, and over the Internet, we wouldn't have had that creative process with each other in the studio. So it's just this record just sounds so much like now like a band. Whereas the last one to me, it, it was it was great. I appreciate everybody you know that was into it and still into it. But um, it didn't have that that real together feeling where four guys were actually in a room playing and you know that, that whole live almost feeling i guess so yeah well, that, that has to be important 
board. And just like you said, just for the sound alone, it has to be there. I mean, you know, the last record is Skull 13. You also produced that record. Did you produce the new one too? Uh, yeah, it was produced by me as well as, um, you know, we, we recorded at Dirge Studios in Delaware, which is owned actually by Chapel, the singer, our new singer, and uh, actually Rich Fuster, our, our new bass player. They own a studio. So the great thing now is we can produce music whenever we want. If we write a song tomorrow, we can go and record it and release it, and there you go. Um, and have you know, it, it could be out there immediately. So that's it's such a nice advantage over what we used to have to do, which was we create it and we'd have to do the MP3 thing, send it back and forth. You know, it would take time to get the whole thing ready. But I mean, tomorrow, I mean, we could we could record a song tomorrow and have it out to you to the next day, pretty much. You know, as far as far as the mixed version goes. So it's uh, that's fantastic. It's yeah, it's great. Trump, tell me about yeah. it. And also, we don't have to pay any money to record anything. It's all, that's you know, all there. <laughs> studio budget. You know. Yeah. You know, because people think it's really easy. Like, you know, when you're going to put a new record out, when you're going to come play by me, or when you're going to go out on tour. But people don't realize yeah. it costs a lot of money to do all those things. And almost every band here, and at all different levels, they're all pretty much funding themselves. And, you know, as much as bands want to do as, as much as they can, it's, you're also limited by what your pocket can allow you to do. How much do you lay out on your own before you start recouping something? Yeah, very true. <laughs> very, very true. I mean, we've played many shows. We're play, we're, we've got shows coming up that, you know, we're not – we're not looking to anybody to, to get us out there. And uh, as far as pay goes, if we sell, you know, if they, if they, they sell tickets, then we get paid, you know, um, if it doesn't yeah. sell it, there's no guarantee in what they give you. Um, I'm doing a festival myself, I guess, which we can talk about in a, in a little bit uh, that I'm putting together with like 13, 14 bands. And um, it, it's, it's quite an undertaking because you've got to get guys, you got to explain to these guys, I can't fly you out. I can't guarantee you're going to get this certain amount of pay. And this is what I can offer you. And will you still come out and do this show? And, you know, it's quite amazing the, the response that I got in the lineup that I got for this thing. It's coming up in October. But um, it, it's difficult. I mean, I don't envy promoters and, and club owners and you know, trying to get people out. I mean, there's a following here, but people just don't seem to come out as much as I guess they used to. And, and you know, there's still a growing, a whole growth here coming and a resurgence coming that, um, you know, once it gets catches up, I mean, I think the clubs will be packed again. Things will be great. But. You know, you kind of have to ride out that starting of it to, to get it to that yeah. point. No, I agree. I think one of the problems with the clubs today are, and it's, I mean, you know, if you go back to the 80s, like, you take Lamore. I mean, that was, like, the place to be in the 80s, like, in New York City. For every every band that came through town wanted to play there. But you felt oh, like you belonged there. You know, yeah. you know so you feel like you belong there. You went there, you spent the whole night there with your friends. You didn't care what bands were playing. It was like, a, it was your hangout. It was your place to be. And you came across all those new bands that you didn't have records out, didn't have demos out. You didn't know who they were, but you heard them live. You got into them. You became a fan. Today, you go Absolutely. to a club and they want you to buy a drink. Get the hell out of there by 10 o'clock because we've got a disco show coming in at 11 o'clock at night. And you don't feel like <laughs> you belong anywhere anymore. So I think that kind of distracts a lot of people from going out for the night. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. And they got a lot of cover stuff coming in and, you know, they're playing you know, tributes and covers and that's competing so much with just bringing original music in because it seems like people would rather hear stuff they know, which makes sense to me. I mean, you want to hear stuff, you know, but how are you going to get to the point where you're going to learn? There has to be new music created in order to have cover and tribute stuff. Otherwise, it just <laughs> dies right there. You know, right. That's, How are you going to do a tribute true. to something that's just not there? So, you know, we need new bands. We need new music. We need original bands. It's really important to the whole creative and you know, the whole process of it, you know, having live music in general. So, you know, it's I'm yeah. very proud to be in, in an original band and, and creating music at this point. 
I'm glad you are. Well, you know, let's talk about the festival that you're working on. Can you give out any info on? Are you trying to keep it on the wraps for now? Oh, I can give you everything if you'd like. Um, oh, it's, beautiful. It's let's so, let's talk about it. It's going to be in October. It's the weekend before Halloween. Uh, we're calling it Hollow Fest, and it's going to be this, the first year we're doing this, and we're going to do it every year after this as long as I can keep going with it. Um, currently, right now, I have 13 bands booked. Uh, there's going to be 14 total in two days. Um, one stage. It's uh, at a club uh, called JB McGinnis in Newcastle, Delaware. Uh, great live venue for original music. Uh, they they really get it. They have a full light show. They have full full uh, stage, full sound, and everything. It's just just a great club. Um, we're going to be doing a costume contest. We're going to have vendors there. We're going to actually have actors scaring you as we come in the club and um, a creepy door guy and all that kind of stuff. And we're we're trying to basically create like a like a Halloween attraction in a club. And then having great bands to play. So, um, I mean, if you want, would you like the lineup that we have? Yeah, if you want, if you got to put together, tell me who's going to be on this bill. I would love to hear it. I can tell you the 13 so far. Um, Sleepy Hollow is going to be on uh, playing. Uh, Alter Dagon, which is was the, um, it's the uh, the singer, my singer Chapel and Rich's band. That's their other uh, project that they they've had for years. Um, out of Delaware. Uh, Explorer out of New Jersey is coming out with the original lineup. Nice. Um, really happy to have them. That's going to be a killer set. Uh, Power Theory out of uh, Pennsylvania. I, I'm sure you've probably spoken with Bob before and yeah. Ellen and a couple of other guys in that band. And I was actually in that band for a little while, so I'm, I still maintain a really good friendship with those guys. Uh, Voodoo Terror Tribe out of New Jersey. Um, amazing band, yeah. in my opinion. Probably one of the best bands that, that isn't signed out there. And yeah. Those guys deserve everything that they've got coming to them. Just an amazing band, amazing guys. Um, probably psyched for their set. You know, just I'm a huge fan of them. Um, yeah, great band. Seasons of Morning, a band out of Philly. Uh, kind of doomy, kind of metal, melodic stuff. Uh, great band again. Wretch out of uh, Ohio for on Pure Steel is going to be coming in. Just hung yeah. out with those guys last weekend. Uh, Sunless Sky from Ohio also, another Pure Steel band. Uh, we're actually going to be playing with them in Chicago in uh, August. Uh, Images of Eden, a uh, band out of Pennsylvania, sort of dream theaterish. ish uh, singer from Born of Fire, um, uh, another Pure Steel band is in that band. Infernal Opera out of, out of uh, Delaware is going to be there. They're, they're getting a huge buzz off their uh, last CD that they just released. I don't know if you've heard it yet, but uh, yeah, I highly suggest everybody check it out. Really good band, really great kind of King Diamond kind of thing going on there. Um, just And they've got a hell of a show that they put on. They use the props and everything like King Diamond and put on a really nice show. Uh, Crown of Earth out of Philadelphia is coming in. Uh, melodic Metal. Um, it, it's uh, another great band out of Philly. Flesh Engine out of Philly. Have you spoke to those guys at all, Flesh Engine? Yeah, uh, not Flesh Engine, but Crown of Thorns have been on the show before. Danny is a good friend of the show. Yeah, Denny's great. Denny's great yeah. singer, and actually, his son is in uh, Power Theory. His son is Nigel in Power Theory, the guitar player. I didn't, so, I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're going to be playing opposite nights. We wanted to get them together on the same night, but unfortunately, the lineup on Saturday was kind of confirmed before they got into it. Yeah. Uh, then we have um, Psycho Prism coming in from Jersey. I just booked them, and uh, I just played with them in New York about three weeks ago. We played at um, Blackthorn, and um, got to meet those guys and check them out, and they're they, they blew me away. Uh, just an amazing band. And uh, we're, we have one yet to add in. Uh, I'm talking to a pretty major one right now, but it's just a matter of getting budget up to get them in there. Like I was talking, it's kind of hard to get money together and 
pay these guys when you know you, you don't have any budget this is our first year i'm doing this on my own i the idea i came up with the idea earlier last year i was kind of sitting around on halloween and saying kind of stinks there's nothing to do on halloween so here we go this year we're going to do this it'll be a whole weekend and hopefully everybody comes out and checks it out you know so oh, man the lineup you got sounds amazing and you know what if everybody says they you know there's no good festivals going on there's nothing to do it's october i mean delaware it's like a two-hour car ride from new york pennsylvania within a couple hours you're there it's not even a far car ride so nobody's complaining about getting there yeah yeah exactly. it's not bad at all it's local i mean as far as we're concerned in this area i mean it's new york uh new york new jersey I got bands coming in from Ohio. I mean, they're driving eight hours to go there. So, yeah. I mean, no, this you know, is a quick trip from New York and New Jersey, Pennsylvania. And you know what? It's a great way to make a nice weekend for yourself. Go out for the weekend, have a good time, and enjoy the show. Yeah, and the great part, it's only going to be 10 bucks a night to get in. $10 a night or $25 oh. for a VIP package uh, where you'll get a bunch of stuff for free. You'll get shirts, CD, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it's we, we, we wanted to create something that was going to be budget-friendly budget, budget friendly to people and and get some really great metal out there, um, classic metal, and uh, I guess even some new influence metal. But um, it, it's it's really going after that classic metal crowd that we that we have. So um, it should be a lot of fun. I mean, we're we're having fun doing it, and it's getting ever closer. So you know, we really look it forward is. to it. Yeah, before you know, it, uh, yeah, it seems like every day it. of our lives it goes by quicker and quicker after forty. It just seems like every day goes by too fast now. <laughs> You can't keep up anymore. It, Mike. I know. <laughs> oh my God. I forgot what it was the other day. I was, I was playing a record. I was like, oh, wait, 34 years ago, I bought that record. Holy shit. What the hell happened to the last 34 years? It just goes back like that. Yeah, on Facebook, oh. they're famous for that. They'll, they'll put those little posts up. You know, 30 years ago, we released this record. We're like, I just bought that the other day. <laughs> <laughs> it feels I like know, the other man. day. Yeah. That's why I tell everybody you got to get out, see these bands, see the shows, enjoy it now because you never know when it's going to come to an end. You never know when we're going to get too old to do it. Hopefully, never. But that's why you got to live every day and just enjoy this. And, the, and guys like you put out records still. And, and a festival like this, if this can continue every year, that's an amazing thing. Oh, yeah. We want to do it like we're, we're trying to take it to four cities next year. We want to take it on the road and do it. We'll do it in four different cities with different bands and grow it every year and get bigger, a little bigger, a little bigger every year, but still maintain that, that classic feel to it. So we're still bringing yeah. back the, the classic metal bands, not just, you know, believe me, I'd love to be able to afford a huge, you know, name of bands, I guess at this point, but I, I really want to stay with that classic eighties, eighties underground kind of band thing. You know, the ones that, sure. that just created this and didn't really get their due at the time. So it, it's, you know, it's just a lot of fun and, and just the enthusiasm these, all these guys have about it is just great. Um, you know, it's, yeah. it's like, it's like with Pure Steel now. Pure Steel, we've developed a whole thing. We call it the Pure Steel Brotherhood. And, um, you know, all the bands are working together. It, it, it's just amazing. All these bands, there's no competition. Nobody's fighting with each other. Nobody is, is in competition with each other. We're all together. If we if we want to play a show together, we, we get on there and we ask and, you know, we, we help each other out. It's just, it's so nice to see that. It's just, it, it is a brotherhood. And um, yeah. we even call each other brothers when we see each other. So, I mean, it's, it's. It's cool. It's just it's a great thing going on right now that we have with that label and the labels coming here. It seems like they're opening offices up in, in the States. It, it looks like uh, which is going to make the label even bigger. So, you know, it's just it's a lot of exciting things are happening and it's just this music is going to continue and the the, uh, the fans are going to grow. It's just it's just going to happen. So you know, getting in on it now is great. You know, it just seems like we're on, on we're on the beginning again. <laughs> and I, I think it's just going to be it's just going to grow from here. 
that's always a good thing. You can't complain about growth and band supporting each other because if that's what it takes to keep this thing going, then that's the most important thing. And, and the thing I love with Sleepy Hollow right now, Steve, is that it seems like you guys have been so active lately as far as shows go. I mean, do you think the lineup change was necessary to get to the point that you're at now? Because I remember I had Bob on last week. He was saying that, you know, the band felt he wasn't available, I guess, enough. He didn't want to, like, you know, sling any mud or badmouth anybody. And I don't want you to do that either. But you feel like you had to make that change in the band to get it moving forward? Well, unfortunately, what happened was, I mean, with Bob, you know, I have all the other respect for Bob in the world. I, you know, Bob, Bob's a great singer, you know, and everything. You know, we can go go along all that. But um, the truth of the matter was he he just was starting to get to the point where we almost had to cancel. We, we opened up for Metal Church last year. We uh, did Rocklahoma last year. And he called me like a week beforehand and canceled. He said, I can't get there. I can't do it. My drummer actually drive, had to drive 14 hours to go and pick him up in Erie and then drive him back so we could play a show in Delaware with Metal Church. And then with Rocklahoma, he almost canceled it due to personal reasons, and I, I basically had to beg him. I had to cancel shows with Trouble. I had to cancel shows with, with a couple other different major acts, and it just started to get to the point where it was hurting the band with, with, with promoters that I know. I mean, we, we, we can't have that. We've got to, we get an sure. opportunity to play with somebody. We've got to play it. We can't just say, no, we can't do that. And I mean, um, I mean, we were getting calls to go and play Chicago. I, I would drop things and head out. Yeah, sure, let's do it. Um, you have to take your opportunities as they come, and that's why that kind of fell apart at that point. Um, it just, it just wasn't working. He was seven hours away. He just couldn't. I'm not questioning his committee, his, his commitment, and everything else. You know, whatever. But the thing was, the guys that I have in the band right now, we're all local to each other. We're all committed to to bringing this thing on the road. Like I said, we're going in August. We're going to be in Chicago. We're going to be in Wisconsin. Um, another big thing we're doing in Florida. We're going to Florida in uh, the end of August to play this big festival called 80s in the Park. Um, you know, we're going out and we're taking it out. And I needed guys that were going to be able to go out and do it. Um, we want to go to Europe next year. You know, and I can't book a whole thing and then a week before the show or two weeks. Oh, I can't do this. Sorry. You know, it's just... It just yeah. doesn't work that way. You you got to do it. You know you got to be committed to it, and you got to do it. And um, you know it just it just wasn't working out. So that's kind of what happened. And um, I I completely understand that. You, you do. You when you get a phone call, you know an opportunity is you know given to you guys to play. You know you don't want to turn it down because you want to get, it puts you in a bad light when everybody's trying to book these shows for you, and they say, well, you know we can't count on those guys. You know because every time we book them, they want to cancel at the last minute. And when yeah, those no, well, opportunities do come in, you, you got to jump on it. You know, I know it's not easy at this point in life to do a lot of things, but, you know, if you're going to be active, you kind of have to. Yeah, I mean, if you make a commitment to bring this, if I was going to, and I said this at the beginning, if I'm going to bring the band back out, we're gonna, I'm going to be a part of this again. I'm going to do this. It's going to be 100%. We, we, we're going to be, um, we're going to get to people we haven't gotten to before. We're going to release new music that sounds great and people are into um, you know, it's gotta be a total, uh, commitment to it. And you're right. I mean, you, you don't get these opportunities every day. You know, you get a call to, to go and open for some, for, I don't know, say a metal church. You don't get that every day. They're not on the road constantly. And God knows, I mean, I know they're back together now using them as an example, but who knows, you know, who, you don't get these opportunities all the time. So True. you've got to take them. It's just, it's really important to your growth in being in a band basically. It's one of the most basic things. You got to play live. You can't just record records and send it out there and never see any fans and never play live. People want to see it live. So, you know, that's something yeah. we've committed yeah. to. And um, well, we're going to keep keep playing. So, that's a good thing. Well, I, I can tell you, I think Chappelle sounds great on the new tune. 
Uh, we're going to play it after we're done talking. And uh, if the rest of the album is in that vein, I think you guys, you know, you got a winner here. Thank you. I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, it is in that vein. Actually, that song is probably one of the um, one of my less favorite ones, to be honest with you now at this point. Because wow. we got a chance to record all the other ones, and, and I'm hearing all the other ones. And uh, we've done some really cool production um, on it, and just just everything gels so nice. It just went together so nicely. I was able to do things that I've always wanted to do as far as, you know, harmony guitars and uh, some keyboard parts in there and, and some spoken word stuff and um, sound effects and things like that, like we did on the demo with the horse and all that. And um, it's just really come around as, as probably uh, I listen to each song and I'm just blown away by the way it sounds when you take a step back from it. It's just amazing. So I'm very proud of it. I can't wait for everybody to hear it. Uh, well, soon enough. Steve, you still doing anything with Black Box Symphony? Oh, yeah. I'm still uh, – John and I are still together. Um, we are supposed to be releasing another single. Um, it, it's going to be coming out there. It's something that him and I he's, – he's a little bit more involved with things. He lives on the, on the West Coast, so it's one of those situations where I send stuff back and forth to him. And, um, yeah. you know, we're, we're kind of one of those uh, internet things, which is cool. You know, he's, and he's a perfectionist. So yeah, it's just one of those deals where he doesn't want to release anything until it's perfect. And we don't have the girl singing for us anymore. We have, he's, he's taken over vocals. So it's, you know, it's, that's kind of what we're doing there. It'll be out soon. It's almost done. It's just, he just hasn't really done much with it lately. And plus Sleepy yeah. Hollow has been taking up all my time. And then I've been doing, um, I, I do another little solo thing on my own. I'm, I've been putting together, which is kind of influenced by Rob Zombie and uh, more of the horror kind of stuff. And it's, it's got a, it's a little bit more um, electronic related. So I've been having yeah. a lot of fun with that, trying to write, trying to basically get involved with soundtracks and things like that with uh, uh, trying to get, get into that whole field. Yeah. Uh, Cause I love creating music. So for me, it's, it's, it's always a privilege and a, an honor and a blessing to be able to do it. So any way I can do it, I'm going to do it. I don't blame. And if you know what, if you can do as many different things as you can musically, isn't that what it's all about? Not just like repeating yourself. Why would you want to start another band that sounds like Sleepy Hollow? You want to do something completely different. And you've done that. It seems like with a lot of the projects you've taken on and the bands you've played in, you've, you've gone all over the place. Oh, yeah. God, I was in Tapping the Vein back in the 90s. Uh, That's right. Yeah. Alternative kind of goth band. And um, that was a totally different crowd, totally different experience. And then I also played with um, – I'm, I'm actually <laughs> – Going next week to see an old band of my, uh, friends of mine in uh, this band, Devious. Um, it was more of a hard rock kind of thing, almost like a Bon Jovi kind of thing. So, I mean, I've been all over the place. I, I love music, and any chance I get to create and help and play and whatever I get to be involved in it, I, I'm just I'm thrilled. I, I, I love doing it. So I'm not just stuck in just one genre or one, you know, one creation, I guess, or whatever. So I just I love creating all kinds of music. And that's a beautiful thing. You know, Steve, I'm going to have to let you go because I want to get on a couple of tunes by the band. And then we have to wait for Jeff Mont not to call in again. So we'll see how that happens. <laughs> I'm going to get on a couple of tunes. But the album's going to be out this fall, right around the same time as Holofest, hopefully. It'll be a great way to kick off that album. That. Yeah, I'll let you know when we get a, when we get a date. And one, one more thing. I really want to thank you for doing what you do because Heavy Metal Mayhem, um, you know, you, you just – you're helping with this whole resurgence – and playing our music and playing all the different bands' music and getting us out there, all all of our us owe you a huge thank you for what you do. And um, believe me, it, it's much much appreciated. I owe you guys a huge thank you for keep putting out this music that I get to play. Plus, it keeps me good with the wife because I get out of here two hours every Sunday night. So it's a good That's thing. Good. <laughs> 
man. It was great talking to you today. When the album comes out in October, come back on the show. We'll promote it. We'll promote the festival as we get closer to. That'd be great. I'd love to. In early October, we can we can promote it. I'll have the last band announced too by then. So absolutely. You got it. All right, Steve. You take care now. It was great talking with you. Thank you, Mike. You too. Take care. All right, Steve Stack from Sleepy Hollow. The band has a brand new record coming out on Pure Steel Records this fall, Tales of Gods and Monsters. Let's give you a little sample of that. Here's Bound by Blood. Let's go. 
All right, there you go. Sleepy Hollow, a little old, a little new. That was Freedom Condemned. Uh, the new stuff sounds a lot different than the older stuff. You know, like Steve says, you know, he's bringing that dark influence into the band, and you definitely hear it in that song. And it's not even one of his favorite songs, so I can imagine what the rest of the record sounds like. I'm definitely looking forward to hearing that. All right. Jeff Martin should be calling in once again in a little while, but until then, we'll keep getting more music on for everybody. Uh, let me see what we got coming up because we are in the month of July already. I cannot believe it. Uh, the year is flying by so quick. But uh, what do we have coming up this month? I'll tell you right now. Well, you know who's on tonight's show, or at least who might be on tonight's show. <laughs> we'll find out more later on. But uh, in the weeks coming up, what do we have here? Next week, we have Jeff Rowland from Sacrilege, a great classic new wave of British heavy metal band. They actually have two records coming out. There's a compilation coming out, uh, I believe, this week called Ashes to Ashes on Pure Steel. And their new record will be out right after that. We'll be debuting some new songs from that next week. We also have Mark Torian of the Bullet Boys on next week. And uh, Ryder Soys uh, from Nashville Pussy was supposed to be on tonight. Uh, but she had an emergency. She contacted me early enough in the week. That's why we tried to rebook Jeff uh, because we had that opening. So we got a busy show next week. We got three people on. Uh, after the week after that, I think we have Rob Warner from Heathen's Rage coming on the show. Uh, who else do we have that week? Uh, I'm working on getting the guys from Baron Steel on. The band's not together anymore, but I love those guys from back in the day. And Iman keeps posting videos, so I had to get them on there for him. So that should be the week after that. I have to confirm with the guys. Uh, we have Greg Marshall from Stingy and Shaw and uh, Mark Vandenberg on the week after that. So stick around. A great month for music. We'll let everybody know who's coming on when. Oh, I forgot. Jason Bittner will be on the show also that week. Uh, I forgot all about him. I don't know what band he's going to be in at that point in time because it seems like he's in a different group every couple of weeks. He's got a new band that he's a part of. Right now, it's still Shadows Fall and Flotsam and Jetsam. Uh, he's not with Toxic anymore. <laughs> I can't keep track. Uh, we'll find out when we talk to Jason uh, later on in the month. All right, let me see. Look how you get off everybody right now. How about we do some Alien? Here's Cosmic Fantasy. Thank you. 
All right, Militia giving us burning rage. I have to tell you, Kimla Chance, she still looks just as hot today as she did back in the 80s. We had Kim on the show a couple of years ago. She was really funny to talk to. Had a great sense of humor. But I tell you, she does look phenomenal. We got it like a metal matinee, like, you know, uh, heavy metal chicks over 40 or something that still look good. I don't know if I could put that together, but she still does look great. You got to give it up for her. Some good stuff over there. Before that, Alien with Cosmic Fantasy. They were really killer band that in New York back in the day. Uh, the singer Frank uh, Casamarina, I want to say his last name was, he passed away like in the late 90s. Uh, he actually played in a band called Mad Rain and he played with the, with uh, Rick Fox and, and a band called Sin. Rick Fox was trying to get that thing back together for a while ago, but I, I don't know whatever happened to that. And I believe the bass player, uh, Damien uh, Bardot, passed away a couple of years ago also. Uh, they were really solid. Like, you know, they kind of like a little bit of the hand metal glam look, but they were a lot harder and heavier than most of the bands that were at that time doing the same type of music. All right, we're talking about a hot looking chicks, you know, because we just play some militia with Kimla Chance. My girl, Veronica Freeman, she has her first solo record out on Frontier uh, V. She did a great job on this record. It's not, if you're thinking it's going to be like Benedictum, it's nothing like Benedictum. It's more like that classic hard rock sound of the 70s and early 80s. Uh, Michael Sweet from Striper uh, helped her out on this record. Peter Tarantino uh, worked on this album with her. Uh, she has a lot of guests on there. Pete Wells from uh, her own band and a lot of the other members of Benedictum played on the album. Uh, it really is a good record. It's just not as hard or heavy as the Benedictum stuff. But V did a great job on it, and she's as hot as all hell, man. I love to see her in a pillow fight with uh, Kim Chance. I'm going to see if I can make that have like a pay-per-view event. Uh, but I will get V on here again. I've been talking to her about coming on, but I'm waiting for Frontier's uh, press people to set up the dates because they get kind of pissy like when you uh, put one of their artists on without going through the press person. So I told V we'll just wait for that to happen. But she did a great job on the record. Here's a song called Spellbound.
Okay, that's Heavy Metal Army out of Japan with Rockin' Long Spell of Rain. Uh, I've been listening to that album for the last 30 years, and I have no clue what any of those songs are about, what they're singing about, <laughs> nothing at all. There's some pretty good music for you there. It reminds me of uh, 16 Candles with the guy Long Duck Wong. <laughs> some funny stuff there. All right, uh, I do believe Tommy might be back next week. He's been banned from the show uh, for the last three months for missing an episode, uh, but he should be back next week. I, he went upstate this weekend with his friend to have an old boy sleepover, I think celebrating the Supreme Court's uh, decision on gay marriage. I think they're up there partying. So uh, he should be back next week. I'll check with him to find out for sure. And then you won't have to hear just me. You can hear the both of us from now on. All right, let me see what I can do for everybody right now. Jeff should be calling in in about 10 minutes or so. Uh, until then, we'll get on a couple more tunes. I think we need to pick up the speed here a little bit. So uh, let's do some Slayer. They got a brand new record coming out. I was going to play that new song, but I think a lot of people have heard it already. I'll wait till I get the whole record. I should have it in the next week or two uh, from the label. And uh, we'll get on something that hasn't been played yet. They only have that one song. I think there were two songs actually been playing and bouncing around the internet lately. But we'll get something different on in about a week or two when that comes through. And uh, I'm supposed to be going to the Mayhem Fest in Jersey. And interviews were supposed to be set up with Slayer and a few other bands I really don't want to talk to. But I have no choice to get to the bands I want. Uh, but I'm really working hard on trying to get something going with King Diamond. Uh, we'll see if it happens or not. I'm not too sure. But I will let you know if it does take place. Uh, right now, like I said, let's go uh, old school. Here's Slayer at Dawn They Sleep.
All right, the Crow Mag showing you no mercy at all off the Age of Quarrel, one of the great New York City hardcore bands, still active today. Uh, the Rex bass player Harley, uh, he's been on a rant lately. I mean, he's been ripping into the band nonstop for years anyway. I mean, that's nothing new. Uh, since like lately, his new target has been Vinny Stigma, uh, where he's just been calling him out as not being like you know the first punk in New York City, or whatever. And Harley was, and if you if you can friend Harley on Facebook, he's always got a lot to say, and it makes for a good read. Uh, speaking about Reed, he did mention that he, he did get a book deal signed. He's going to be writing a book. So if you're a fan of New York hardcore and the scene from back in the day, it should make a good read because he is a character. And <laughs> like I said, he does have a lot to say. So it should be pretty cool. And uh, right before that, I gave you some Destructor with Unearth the Earth. Catching those guys in March at the Defenders of All Festival was just amazing. Uh, I've been such a fan of those guys since the 80s. And to see them live for the first time, I mean, they really brought it on. And they sounded phenomenal. Uh, I was supposed to reach out to Dave Overkill about coming on the show, but we just got so busy with guests, I never got around to it. So uh, maybe I will try to get him on here in August uh, if I can make that connection. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen with the Defenders Festival for next year. It looks like he rang the promoter, uh, kind of disappeared. Uh, what I hear is that uh, he was here on a work visa from China. Uh, actually, on a school visa, and then a work one. And I heard that they kind of revoked it from him. So uh He's back home right now, so hopefully he can get back here. If not, maybe Henry, the guy who was helping him out to pick up, because it was an amazing festival that he did in, in March. I would hate to see it come to an end. We definitely need a version four of that. All right, I think we have Jeff on the line right now. Let's uh, connect him and uh, get this interview going. Hey, Jeff, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Hey, what's going on, man? It's Mike. How you doing? Good. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing great. It's really nice to have you on here with us today. And uh, I have to tell you, you're back, and you're back in a big way with a uh, blessed static. You, you really pulled it out of the hat with this one. Yeah, yeah. You know, it uh, it kind of came out of the blue. Um, I, I've been waiting to do some Racer X stuff again, but, uh, you know, it, it just uh, doesn't seem to materialize. And I finally just uh, got some stuff that uh, was really sounding good from from Stu Marshall, uh, from Sydney, Australia. And I get a lot of stuff sent to me all the time by, you know, really good guitar players. A lot of them are, are fantastic. Some fairly good songs, but I just don't ever seem to connect to them. Um, and I immediately connected to Stu and any, it just seems anything he sends me, um, uh, I immediately get a, get a drift on a, on a good melody line or, or, or a title. I'm a title guy. I've got, you know, thousands of titles and I, I just listen to mu music people send me or Stu sends me. And that's how I kind of come up with the, the direction of the song and everything. And from there, it's pretty much written. Um, it's just a matter of putting some words down. So, yeah, well, so it was great. I, I got hooked up with him through Bruce Bouillet. Well, well Stu's a great guitar player and an amazing musician. And, uh, you know, you just said, like, you know, you haven't really clicked with a lot of things. And I remember reading an interview you did. Uh, it was it was quite a while ago. It might have been the late 90s where you were talking about Ray Sarag and saying, no, I always feel like I fit in with that musically. And it, it's been hard for me to, you know, find that connection with other musicians and other bands. Is that how you really feel? Yeah. With your, with your yeah, vocal yeah. songs? Most, most definitely. You know, um, me and Paul always clicked, or I, I felt that we clicked really well because we're both Beatles fans. We're both fans of the same older kind of bands that we grew up with, that, that Paul grew up with and I grew up with. And so, you know, he is, he is such a, a schooled musician, you know, that, and I am not, I, I'm a hummer. If anything, <laughs> I can play some stuff on basses, but you know, really uh, I hear everything in my head and, you know, I was just, uh, 
I was just listening to a thing on uh, on the Beach Boys and on how uh, Brian would hear all the parts finished in his head. And it was just a matter of getting, you know, that out to the the musicians that play, you know, a a sousaphone or whatever. You know, you you hear all these crazy things that, and they they usually are all doing different sort of melodies and stuff and mixing together. And and I I, kind of got that, I've got any little gift, I've got that gift, but it's a fleeting gift. It's like a... I, I found out through my daughter, uh, they found out she was ADHD, and, and through that I found out I am too, and I never knew that because, you know, I wow. went to Catholic school, and, uh, you know, all they did was hit you with rulers if you didn't do That's something. That's right. So <laughs> they didn't find out what the hell was wrong with you or why you had a problem learning or whatever. I was always a dreamer, and a, and I get these, it's almost like a roulette wheel just going, spinning around, you know, and it falls on these great ideas, and I've got to immediately get it recorded or tell somebody, or it's gone like a fart in the wind, you know, so. Wow. Um, that's kind of how I work, you know, so, you know, when I am in a studio with guys or whatever, I do come up with really great, well, not all great stuff, but I come up with a lot of ideas. And I'm usually uh, driving somebody nuts because I got to stop everybody and tell them this idea before it's gone. Or I, I, yeah. you know, I sit there tossing and turning in bed and I, what the, what the hell was that again? You know. So anyway, yeah. But with me and Stu, I mean, and like I said, I'm a title guy. I, I really draw the image of the song. I need an image of it through the title, and through that, I can come up with really some really good lyrics. Stu has sent me a couple songs with the titles, and it's the first time I've ever been able to take somebody else's title to that particular song and write something to it. And uh, we've got a couple of those, one called The Devil's Preacher, and another one called, and the funny thing is, is here's my ADHD going off, or my dyslexia, I'm not quite sure which, but it was Northam Grove was the name of the song, and it was an acoustic bit. Because uh, we're we're trying to we're trying to follow the Black Sabbath a little bit and yeah. give you some sonic palate cleaners in between you know some raging metal so you know we're not sawing your head off twenty four seven and this is one of those tracks and and I'd been listening to it for a while and I finally came up with a great melody line but I always called it Nottingham Grove in my thing so it's kind of about a you know it's a love song sort of thing about this place where these two always meet and go to and it's it's an English forest and and but uh it, you know I totally blew it on the title and came up with my own thinking I was reading what he had down yeah. and it turned out it turned out it sings better too so anyway that's going to be so great we, well, not, I- un, not un, not unlike Jimi Hendrix and not unlike the Beatles, we will have a track, hopefully have a track on the album that has two versions and we're going to do the acoustic version. And then later uh, we may even let, let the CD run for maybe five, you know, two minutes or whatever and have Nottingham Grove reprised with my vocals. It'll be tuned down. It'll be slower and it'll have vocals on it. So, Ah, it's gonna be great. You can kind of hear, you know, people will be able to hear how ideas come around after their first, you know, you're subjected to them. So it, it yeah. might be kind of cool. And it's gonna be cool because we're gonna get some new Jeff Mon. That's important. It's been a while, uh, you know. Yeah. And so it's well, great getting new music. Yeah. Vocally, yes, yeah, but vocal, not drumming. Yeah, yeah I mean, vocally. Yeah, I haven't done hardly anything with anybody, but now I'm over that, and I've uh, I did uh, a track with Sean Baker on, on his album. Uh, I think it's called Necessary Evils. Uh, 
And I got another one. To, oh, I, I have two uh, on a Mike Inesco. It's called Mike Inesco's Guitar Army. And he's a fellow that I've toured and done a lot of albums with in Blindside Blues Band. And he decided to put together a 70s style rock album, a la Montrose or something like that. And it's really good. And me and Bruce Bouillard are actually playing together on that one. So you got two Racer X guys together on something. So yeah, I'm 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 finally um, you know digging in on on uh, working with some other people. But I'm really this thing with Stu and I. We we've already decided that this is just not a project. This is going to be a real band, and we're going to be touring Good. and and doing more albums. And we we just get along. I haven't even met the guy. <laughs> I've done all he's this stuff over Boxer so far. I mean, I haven't gotten to Australia, and he's they they actually have flights booked to come here for uh, in in January, and we're gonna. I'm booking some gigs, uh, hopefully Troubadour um, for you know just the old Racer X fans to bring that back around. And there's some there's a fantastic new club in um, Santa Clara, right by San Francisco called the rock bar theater and you got to pinch yourself when you walk in there uh it, it's the most beautiful club for metal i've ever seen in my life so yeah. we're going to do wow. a gig there and hopefully do some nam show uh gigs for either dean or e-drum or you know uh, our prospective uh people that were endorsed by rev our bass player he's endorsed by dean and i'm i'm a d-drum when i'm drumming i'm a d-drum guy so that'd be so great anyway. to hear all that but, you know, Jeff, I remember the first time I heard you, you know, singing with Surgical Steel when I got that demo tape back in like the early 80s. And, you know, oh, I go back oh. to that point in time. And that was some great stuff at the I time. Was that like your... that point in time. Oh, man. Was that like your first <laughs> I, I... serious band? Uh, yeah, you know, I was. Yeah, it was. It was the first band where, you know, before that, it was more or less like a bar band sort of thing. We, we you know, yeah. you always have these. Uh, visions of grandeur and all this stuff, but really all you are is garage band or bar band, really. And, you know, learning my stuff. And I had played with uh, Greg Chason in a whole bunch of bands, one called St. Michael and another called Ghost Rose. And we were pretty much the greatest boondocker band in Arizona. We'd play any kegger that came up out in the desert, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, we played bars too, but, uh, that's where, you know, Greg knew I was a pretty good singer and he got me to crawl out from behind my drums. Cause I was with a bar band at that time that was strictly just a bar band. I mean, we were doing journey and all sorts of stuff. I never wanted to really play. They got me in the band cause they wanted a heavier edge and a guy who could sing priest and play drums at the same time. But, um, you know, it was just one of those things where I was traveling all over the place, uh, playing songs I didn't really like to play. And Greg knew I was happy. And he, he was putting together Surgical Steel. And um, so he he knew that I was, he saw me always dancing with, with girls out on the dance floor. He knew I, I could do moves and I, I was good with my body as far as, uh, you know, being, being a freak. So he knew I would be good on stage if he could get me from up up behind the drums so he's really the uh the perpetrator of me crawling out from behind the drums ah. and doing doing my first gig with surgical steel with rob halford who our guitar player had four nights before met at a club in phoenix so here i am first time from 
behind my drums, singing priest songs and singing surgical seal songs. And who's in the audience? Rob Halford. And this is Amazing. right when he finished screaming for vengeance. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we got to hear all those tracks before they were released and we were just going, Oh Christ, this is going to be the best album you've ever had, dude. And of course we were right. Absolutely. Well, you also sang yeah. on turbo. You did some backup vocals on turbo. Is that a good thing or a bad thing looking back on it now? Oh no, that was fun. That was great. I, yeah. I actually, he had flown my first wife and I out to, a, not a beat for Spain. He, he flew us out to the Bahamas where they were recording at compass point and, I was out there for like 19 days or something like that and a stone cottage on the beach with Rob's mom and dad, brother and sister, which were all, you know, really close and very good friends. And, um, like Julio Glacius was, uh, I remember I won a hundred bucks from Julio Glacius cause he was recording <laughs> at compass point too, playing pool and, uh, you know, all sorts of kooky things were going on. I think talking heads guy was walking around, you know, it was one of those things was, crazy 80s moments where all these you know big stars were hanging out down there but um i remember rob was having trouble with private i forget which one i wrote i was up at his cabana me and my wife were up there waiting for him to get there and uh he had the track and he was trying to write to it so i wrote immediately wrote two verses and like a bridge to private property and they used like one verse of it and one chorus or, or something. And they, they use quite a bit. And I remember, I should have kept the note. He goes, Jeffy, we used your lyrics. Thank you. You know, I should have kept that thing. <laughs> Framed it for God's sake. You know, it's a metal yeah. God. God. That's right. But uh, yeah, so I actually wrote on that one. And then I got to sing on uh, Wild Crazy Nights, I think it was, or something like that. Yeah. It may be private property too. But uh, I remember Tom Allen saying, he, I can't tell which one of you guys is who. <laughs> I'm going, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sound like a couple chicks in there. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. But, you know, I, I see myself surgical still. You guys had the, you guys had the music. You had the looks. It was the height of metal. Uh, Rob was behind the band. I said, "What the hell went wrong?" Because it's just like disappeared after that. I mean, new people came into the group. Oh, no. oh, like we, this was the band that should have been like in an arena. My my entire career has been, I should have no, no nutsack left. It's, I've been lighting my nuts <laughs> on fire for so many A&R people, you know, trying anything. I mean, I even went to the, I, I don't know if you go on YouTube. It was kind of an inside joke on my part, but looking back, it was a stupid thing to do, of course, because I did a lot of those. Um, but I took the brim off of a hat. And and it was a running joke with us, kind of like, I'll fucking wear a lampshade if I have to, to get signed <laughs> by a band. And this, yeah. was, this was with Racer X. But the same guy who passed on, his name's Ron Oberman, I think is what it was. And he was with Columbia. And, and he is he is the main reason I've eaten more dime burritos and, and uh, <laughs> things of top ramen. He's... He's passed on Surgical Steel. He passed on Racer X twice. He passed on Badlands twice. Uh, and actually had a lot to do with breaking up the band, uh, Badlands, because he, he only liked Jake and didn't like me and Greg and wanted Jake to go off on his own. But that's another story. But yeah. long story short, I mean, we had everything going on, uh, especially, you know, Surgical Steel, fair enough. We, we were 
we were Judas priests, but we were really writing songs about chicks and, you know, that whole kind of thing. You know, it was more Bon Jovi meets Judas Priest, maybe, you know, because all the guys were pretty good looking. Um, not so much me, but, you know, there's other guys <laughs> in there picking up the slack. But, um, uh, you know, it, it was, you know, we had, all we needed was um, maybe a, a, a good producer helping us rewrite some of the songs and do some, and it would it would have gone off big time, but um, Racer X definitely it was one that uh, it just boggles my mind. Uh, I mean, the, the the time that Ron Overman came to see us, it was at a big show at the Country Club. It was sold out like a month in advance. People were scalping tickets at the door, and this is mind you, 1986 or 87 scalping tickets at the door for a hundred bucks to see us warrant opened up for us yet unsigned he signs warrant and and screws us up oh man but getting back to the hat that's why i made this hat it looks like one of the mexican hats and i took the whole center it was only a brim with dingle balls and i said i'll wear a lampshade you know i had my my goofy hairdo that was all sticking up with hairspray through the top of this lampshade looking at thing and if you go if you go online you'll find it it's uh, we're i think we're playing a cbs um so i think we're playing for cbs to see if they'll sign us and and uh, i'm wearing a lampshade <laughs> and uh, anyway we had our tongue uh, firmly implanted in our cheeks with a lot of lot absolutely of well, it's like you're saying, even Mr. Big. I mean, I mean, uh, I mean, Racer X. Did Mr. Big kind of kill Racer X, you think? Because that was a time when I think that band would have broke if it just had a little bit more time. Uh, you know, what it had was it had the, the manager from Journey. And it had real ah, okay. backing and, and real people behind it. And, you know, the, the, it, was a, it was kind of a conceived band from, and I can't remember the guy's name, the, the old Journey manager, big guy. Um, uh, but you know, when you got that kind of clout and you got a big guy like that behind you, getting you the right producers and the right label, they have to have all that stuff in their hip pocket to begin with, to get you off the ground and get you going, you know? So, and we never had that. We never had a managed, decent manager. Um, we just didn't do the right things as far as getting management and, and, uh, we played like son of a bitches on stage, you know? And, but, uh, it just never got to that next point. But then, you know, later on, of course, when Paul uh, was out, uh, was not with Mr. Big anymore, um, Japan wanted him to do something. So we, we reunited Racer X for that whole thing with Universal. And then we had Universal Records behind us uh, in in Japan. So that's when we got, you know, in the... Uh, in the early 2000s and late 90s and all that, when we did technical difficulties and superheroes and all those, we had some money behind us on that. And there again, it, uh, uh, did a little bit of touring, but not not a not a whole bunch. Never did anything too much in the states. So, but yeah. um, you know, I, I'm hoping we still can do one more album. I mean, Paul Gilbert to me is one of these. He's you know he's the godfather of my my only child. He uh, he's one of these guys that he's just such a cool dude. He just brings the best out in people when you work with him. 
and it's uh, it's just so fun to be around. And we were really best friends, and and it was just I, I never laughed so much. I never had so much fun. It was never so easy. And he he's just got that gift of bringing out the best in people, and he always yeah. did with me. So. Does it look like it's promising that there might be something? Because I think Getting Heavy was the last studio record, and that's almost 15 years ago. Or did you get, ever get back maybe to solo stuff again? Because even The Fool is almost 10 well, years old. Yeah, I know. That's crazy, right? Um, you know, uh, long story short, I mean, it, it really it, it brings us right into Blasted and Static, which uh, I was... I saw Bruce a couple of years ago, a couple, three years ago at uh, the NAMM show. And uh, we just get to talk and he goes, dude, I've got this CD. I've got like 35 ideas on it. Some are full songs, some are just ideas. Let me give it to you and let's, let's write a whole bunch of songs and give them to Paul and see if we can get something going on. So I, we did, we, were, we had like 20, 25 ideas. And, and my last evil idea was let's send him a song a day for a month till he cracks. <laughs> and and uh, and that that broke. So, you know, we didn't really do it. I sent him like three or three to five songs, and immediately got something back that he his hearing. You know, because of his hearing, and and he's just trying to stay away from you know stuff that's too loud and can damage him. And and uh, he's just paying more attention to some jazz and some blues and and his solo stuff. And he says, but the minute he he's in inkling to do some metal he'll give us a call so but um through that through me writing those songs with bruce and then bruce getting with um Stu, uh and the empires of eden stuff is how i got hooked into stew so it, it, it's all a a trickle and a trail that leads to a path to new cool people so and Stu and I get along like men. We, we almost seem like we're brothers you know we finish yeah. each other's sentences it's I can't wait to meet the guys I said before. I mean, we've yeah, done everything great. over. We've done everything over the internet and on Boxer, and uh, it's been a really cool process. And we we've taken our time. We haven't like said, okay, we're going to get this done by next week, and you know, blah blah. blah. No, it's just you know, he's got his thing. His, he's doing. I'm doing other things. And in the meantime, we have been compiling blasted static and it's done now it's it really is i'm going to do this nottingham grove ideas i told you and yeah. uh, i have <clears throat> just a few more lines to sing on a song that me and bruce did do together called war baby and uh, we're done so and then rev jones has to play some bass on that and that's done but all that has to be done now is mixing mastering and all that stuff and find a label <laughs> so we we really don't even have a label yet we figured we'd get this all in the can first and then uh go shopping around so, so uh, hopefully we'll find somebody de- we'll, oh, I'm yeah. hoping we find somebody that'll be behind it but you know god with my track track record and our people i have no <laughs> idea what'll happen well i have to leave you on the back burner let somebody else handle that this time around i have to put Stu out there <laughs> let him take care of all that oh around. i i'm you know i always try to let somebody else handle it There's no <laughs> <laughs> but you know what that's where Stu comes in his savvy He's a business yeah. guy too. You know, he is a really smart character. He's not only a great guitar player as far as technical stuff, but as far as, far as feel stuff, tone, and then you get into the whole business of the music business and, and all that. He's really savvy and, and very cool. Yeah. 
and uh, he's got this uh, crazy liar named um, I've only known him as Rubenstein at this point, and and he's a ball breaker. So at least we got a ball breaker behind yeah. us, and we'll we'll see what happens. You know, well, it's a Jewish it, lawyer. Go figure. We'll put it out ourselves, and we're we're still going to tour, um, and and get this thing rolling ourselves. So that's important, Jeff. You drumming with anybody these days, or you just stick with the singing right now? I am. I have a band right now. Well, Rev Jones, as I said, he's he's my buddy from. I met him when I was playing in a band called Black Symphony, and um, we did an album together there. And then I only did one Black Symphony album. Then we did a bunch of touring in Europe, um, over in Holland, some big uh, crazy festivals where everybody shaves their teeth to points and poops in, in each other's sleeping bags. That, that's a fun <laughs> thing to do at those concerts. <laughs> I was ready to quit, man. I'm going like, I'm playing for these great people. What the hell is this? Anyway, um, he sent me, he went through a kind of a goofy divorce uh, with his, his wife, which he's no longer married to. And a herd of songs, and I'm talking about five or six songs, came out of that divorce and they are sensational. His, his his singing is unbelievable, let alone the songs. And I told him immediately that we've got to get this out. I want to play drums on it. And um, we got a, the guitar player, his name's Jim Dolph, Dolpha. And he sounds exactly like early Gilbert. His tone, everything. He even comes from the same place in Pennsylvania that Paul comes from. And, um, and he doesn't even try to be like Paul. He just kind of is. Yeah. And um, it's it's really kind of quirky um, how it's kind of come together. So we are working on those demos right now, and uh, we're going to put some of that out and see see what will happen there. So, you know, that's kind of like a back burner. That is kind of more or less like a little project thing just to see what will happen. But the, the songs are sensational. I'm, I'm talking like Mr. Big kind of play player-type songs, you know? Yeah. Uh, let alone good melody and stuff, but it, it's got. I get to go off. I, I'm I'm doing Buddy Rich stuff on this. A lot of double stroke roll stuff. Oh, nice. Ian, Ian Pacey type playing and stuff. And I I had just recently put together the Ian Pace Made in Japan drum set, which consists of a a floor tom for a ride tom, which is sixteen ten by sixteen. I cut it down. And then an 18, 20 inch floor time and 26 inch kick. So all the drums, wow. you know, a Made in Japan album. I, I think, who do we think we are? Um, and maybe the Burn album. Ian Pace played these huge drums. It sounded like sonic mortar, you know, they're just so low toned and thick and beautiful sounding. And so I'm playing that kind of kit on this stuff too. So it's, it's, it's going to be cool. I hope it, I hope it kind of works out as a little fill in sort of neat thing. Um, definitely Dean and D-Drum can put us out on, a, on an instrumental tour, you know, just playing music stores and people yeah. really dig it, dig it in that, that uh, direction, but we'll see what happens. So I've been doing that. And then I've been doing some touring with, uh, Mike Inesco and we've been, uh, doing blindside blues band over in Poland and Prague and, and, uh, some of that. So that, that'll probably happen again in November, maybe. Oh, you got a lot going on, it seems, right now. Hey, look, if you're ever looking for another singing job, your buddy Jake Lee's having a hard time keeping singers in that Red Dragon cartel. You can always mm, try no, out for that, no. too. I don't know. Did, did, what, is the last guy not working out now, too? I, I had one in, and then the next one was out a week later. I don't know if this, the new guy is still in there or not. I haven't followed along mm. the last couple of weeks, but you never know. 
Well, you know what? Ray Gillen, those are some hard shoes to fill. And believe me, I was right. I was right there. So I know, you know, you get the feeling that you are working with a guy who, you know, should be the next singer of Queen, like, uh, not unlike, you know, the bad company singer. Um, yeah, that's how Ray just exuded this natural talent that, you know, you'll find one in a, it's truly one in a million kind of talent. He did that kind of singing like water off a duck. Um, even, even the dusk stuff that we did, I mean, that was a, a demo we did in one day, that whole album's a demo we did just to show Atlantic what songs we had. And Ray didn't even have half of his lyrics done yet. And he, I, he was in this little glass studio sitting right next to me, you know, jingling his bracelets and some of the songs you can hear him like in Sun Red Sun and, uh, the beginning, that's him jingling his bracelets, smiling at me and stuff. We're, we're just, we're just pretty much screwing off in there. And, um, but that's him singing every track once there's no fixes, there's no nothing. There's, and, and I'll, I'll bet you that you're not going to find a flat or a sharp note on any of that stuff. He's just phenomenal. You know, that was just I, a demo. I know, recording I, know too. I couldn't do, I know I couldn't do that. You know, but that was just a demo recording you guys did like around 92. I mean, it's sort of light of day years later, but it really- yeah. Well, when, when after Atlantic heard it, they thought it was too heavy, dropped us. And we got new management that was going to find the manager for, um, what the heck, Tom Hewlett and Associates, and he was the manager for the Moody Blues and the Beach Boys. So he had a ton of clout, and he was getting us money for tour stuff uh, through T-shirt sales. He, he, you know, he would literally go to T-shirt companies and tell well, I'll take... I'll take the Moody Blues and I'll take uh, the Beach Boys to another T-shirt company. Give these guys fifty thousand dollars so they can go tour, and that's how we get money to do stuff. You know, that's called that's called some real clout. So, um, yeah. yeah, you know, they, we just couldn't procure another label for any of that stuff, and then and then uh, you know the whole thing between the lyrics that weren't done for the album kind of went down and a fight ensued and Ray quit. And, and, uh, right after that, I was heading back to, to Tahoe and I get a call, the band's back together. You're going to England tomorrow, you know, and it's just going, oh, Jesus, Rob Reiner should be on aboard this bus. <laughs> he's going to get enough for another spinal tap. And sure enough, that's what it was like. It was like me being the go between, between Jake and Ray for, yeah, uh, Jeff, tell tell Ray that uh, he stinks. Uh, Ray, you stink, okay? And then you come back. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. And, and there's a lot of long, really, really fun stories. But I tell you what, we never played better. Ray had a Ray had something to prove as far as uh, you know uh, him really not really being in the band anymore or whatever. And we're still doing this tour. I don't know what it was, but he was a demon possessed. He just sang like he never sang. And this is all the time he was sick, you know, and he was fighting off his thing and telling us he was, he was yeah. fine and there was nothing wrong. And that's a whole nother story. That So that was a, that was a, a crazy thing to be in, but boy, we sure played good together. There's no doubt about it. I, I, I see red dragon cartel and as cool as it is, and it's not quite the chemistry of even having Eric Singer or me, you know, with Greg True. and Jake and, and of course, Ray. 
So, you know, to get back to the whole beginning of that question, Ray's just a hard <laughs> guy to fill shoes on, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, you know, and Jeff, we're almost out of time here. You know, offhand, you know, it's funny when we did get a guy, his name was John West, the, 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 the person we had tried out right before John West was this mulatto kind of black girl. Uh, real tall, skinny, beautiful black girl sang pretty good. You know, after Ray, it's kind of hard to say anybody sings good. Uh, and Jake was sold, you know, uh, and talk about someone who was seeing the future. Of, you know, we should have probably went with her um, just out of how a lot of bands with females came along and really did well, you know. Um, and it would have showed that we weren't trying to fill uh, Ray Gillen's shoes and we were going off on a different tangent. So, you know, 50-50 hindsight, I think he was right on that one. Yeah. Well, you can't change the past, right? You can just go on with the future. No, you got, you got a great one happening. All I can say is yeah. last time I saw uh, the Red Dragon play was at the NAMM show and I saw um, Jake looked happier than I'd ever seen him while I played with him anyway. I mean, he smiled more times than I saw him in three years in, in one song. So it was good to see him happy and in a good place, you know? Absolutely. It's good to have him back to playing again because it's been way too long that he was out of the scene. So that's a good thing. And mm -hmm. Jeff, we're out of time here. I want to get on a song by Blast of the Static, but I can't thank you enough for calling in and talking with us today. I do appreciate it. This new record is going to be killer when it comes out, man. People are going to really dig this. Yeah, thanks for having me. And yeah, I think I think you're going to really like it. Uh, if I can end on anything, this name of this band came from uh, a story I was telling my daughter. I was a paper boy, 12 years old, and Black Sabbath Paranoid had just come out, and I had one of those shitty little cassette players, and I had Paranoid in there, and literally everything was on 10 in this crummy little cassette player. And I was yeah. the only one who knew what was playing. It was just literally just nothing but static. So some lady called and got me fired. Lady called up and goes, you tell this kid to turn that damn tape player off. He's got it blasted to static. <laughs> so the name, of, the name of this band comes from my love of metal as a youth that I loved it so much that I had to have everything on tap. Oh, so that's a great story. From a real place. Oh, man, that's good stuff. Hey, well, Jeff, man, the best of luck with the band, man, and thanks for today. I appreciate it. Thank you, and have uh, have fun, and uh, look forward to talking to you after you hear all the stuff. I will, man. Thank you. Take care, Jeff. Take care, Mike. Bye-bye. All right, let's get on some blast to the static. I know that interview went into the podcast a little bit, uh, but we can't help it sometimes. Things run later on here. Here's repossession of nothing.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.